0: Hello. Sorry, I said that a little bit too loud. Welcome back to the RLS podcast. And we're on episode seventy-nine, one more away from finishing this series. And um episode eighty is actually this is episode seventy-nine, but episode eighty is probably going to be the the most fun um, that we've had in an episode. I say most fun. It's going to be the the weirdest episode yet, um, with a special guest. Um and I'm actually going to be putting out on social media this week to for a little bit of help in relation to that. So Um, look forward to that one next Wednesday. But for today, we're going to be talking about 10 controversial fitness topics, fitness opinions, things that are up for quite a lot of discussion within Instagram, social media in general, TikTok, like TikTok's this place where you just cannot say anything without getting slaughtered from the other side. Nowadays, like I literally put up a hanging knee raise tutorial the other day, like, A thing that basically helps people that can't do a hanging knee raise do a hanging knee raise and there was like a foam roller involved and I had someone like comment on it saying the purpose of this exercise is to control through the core why would you put a foam roller in place and it's just like people just honestly like you're you're either right or you're wrong it's yes or no it's black or white it's like you cannot have there's no nuance like within every topic in the world I, I honestly believe like if you just dive in and try and tell someone they're absolutely wrong or they're fucking stupid or they're not right, then like you've already kind of like the, the the arguments kind of like, there's not like an opinion to be had there. There's not a, the arguments is ruined. And like, if you were ever going to have any healthy discussion about it, then it's just gone because if you already have decided that you don't believe that other person has a point, then you're gone. And I'm pretty like beige, pretty vanilla when it comes to this sort of stuff. And I tend to sit in the middle with a lot of this. I do sway like within these 10 topics I am swaying more towards one side or the other there's no doubt about that there's not really any of them that I'm like straight down the middle um but I'm always willing to hear like the other side and you should be as well like you should be you shouldn't just see something on TikTok and go that guy's a fucking idiot he's so wrong he's stupid just because of what you currently believe like that's just that person's belief and they've built up that belief through reading things seeing things hearing things speaking to other people like beliefs can be changed and like you you shouldn't just go in with a black and white view so that's the first thing to say about these but some of these things are pretty controversial Um, you may not think they are but like within the fitness industry like people were offended by everything honestly you wouldn't believe it people just want to call you out for things and I'm like I've not really been I've not had much stick online I've had a couple of things over the years but I've not had much and it tends to be because yeah I am I'm pretty down the middle with certain things but yeah we're going to speak about 10 different things so let me list them off for you number one training to failure versus reps and reserve number two supplements number three injury prevention slash sports specific work number four um ultra healthy diet versus flexible dieting bodybuilding body positivity commenting on people's bodies tracking calories and filming in the gym. So these are the things that I I went onto TikTok and just picked out the things that I see most often. So number one, training to failure versus leaving reps in reserve. So essentially training until you cannot do another rep. So you jump onto the bicep. Well, let's let's say you jump on a bench press and you're just going to put a particular weight on. You're going to put 80% of your max and you're just literally going to go until you cannot do another rep versus you're actually going to go put certain weight on, and you're going to only do eight reps when you know you probably could have had, like, another two or three. You're going to leave reps in reserve. Now, this uh, is – I wouldn't say it's, like, argued because there is, like, solid evidence out there to to tell you what the actual answer to this is now. Like, this – but, it, it, like, people will still argue, like, one's better than the other. Um, and from the bodybuilding camp, there's very much an argument that you must train to failure on everything – Do not leave any reps in the tank. Fucking go for it. Now, that's all fine and well, um, but the argument against that is that if you train to failure on exercise one, exercise two, exercise three, how much do you then have to give in exercise four, five, and six? Do you just keep training to failure on that? And then the argument for reps and reserve would be like, if I leave a couple of reps in the tank on episode exercise one two and three I've got then more to give in exercise four five and six and like again the argument is kind of squashed when you read that when you train to failure or close to failure leaving like one to three reps left in the tank if you equate the volume over a session so as I talked about like if you don't if you go train to failure on exercise one two and three you may not have enough you may not have much in the tank for, for exercise four or five and six, but if we were to take that session versus a reps and reserve session where we're leaving a little bit in the tank and we equated both of those sessions with, the equal, with equal volume, so you lifted the same amount of weight over the full session, it does not make a difference to muscle growth. It does not make a difference to strength. Um and generally any progression that you have in the gym, so strength and hypertrophy, aka like building muscle, there is absolutely no difference if volume is equated. Therefore, one is not superior to the other. The thing that you need to obviously understand is that like when people, it's it's, like there is an argument for both. So like hence why it's a controversial opinion. Like for people that train to failure, this can be really helpful because it, it means that they train right up until there are limitations, and they don't re- leave reps in the tank. Like they don't, they don't in out because within like a general population, I know even for myself, I am not pretending that I am not part of this population because I am. I know for myself, if I say to myself, "Ryan, just train to failure," I train harder than I do when I leave reps in reserve because I can sometimes be a little bit of a, a little bit of a wimp sometimes, and I actually leave too many reps in reserve. Sometimes for me, it's actually better to go, you know what, just fucking leave nothing in the tank, Ryan. Because typically, like, when people say they've got nothing left in the tank, they may have one or two left. So sometimes my thought process towards that is, let's just tell them to go until they can't do another one anyway um, so that they don't leave too much. Because so many of us, like, me, as I said, me included, will go and train in the gym and we will just, we'll just leave a little bit too much, when in reality, like, we're not training that hard. Um, But yeah, the argument is obviously like that. If you leave reps and reserve, you're maybe going to have more to give later on in the session more to give the day after, um, and you're actually going to be able to last longer and you're not going to just burn out within that session. So that's the argument there. um, And there's a little study here, I'm just going to quote it. It's like, when performance resistance training at high loads, muscle failure does not confer any additional strength or hypertrophy-related benefits compared to with stopping well short of failure provided total training volume is equated b- between conditions. It was much the same story when researchers looked at how training failure compares with cutting a set short by one to two reps in reserve. After fourteen weeks of training, the average amount of muscle gained was not significant significantly different between the two protocols. There you go. There's your evidence. There's your proof. Um, make up your own mind. Which one do you like better? Number two supplements. Now, yeah, there is a fucking whole barrel of monkeys to to jump out with here. Um, you could basically argue the fact. Okay what supplements are we talking about here? Some are legit, some are good, some are bollocks. Some are just absolutely shite, and some are just like a waste of money. Now, the fitness industry, even like big companies like MyProtein, Bulk Powders, like any of these supplement companies, they have a whole load of non-science-backed shit on their website. Like, there is some absolute pish on there that you would be as well just like fucking pouring down the drain like it's some of it is just useless and like i think they're getting better like i think they are i think these companies are getting better at not putting useless stuff on there but there is so much useless stuff like let me actually just do a little in podcast on podcast in podcast i'm fucking speaking a different language now what the fuck um i'm going on my protein right now while we speak i'm gonna look at the supplements. so we've got impact whey protein um, which is yeah, useful. and uh, we know that clear whey protein, um, helpful. Yep. Yeah. We have impact weight gainer, so high calorie um protein. We've got, well, this is first one. We've got impact branch chain amino acids, energy drinks. We know for a fact that this is a waste of money. Like branch chain amino acids, you get that in protein as well. And what are we hear, we are six pack of cans of branch chain amino acids from my protein, 1099. <laughs> No thanks. Um, what else have we got? We have, um, let me go. I'm going to scroll down. The further you go down, the shitter it gets. I'm telling you, we've got like a a two one one branched amino acids powder again. Leave them alone. Just by way of protein, there's no point. Um, what else have we got? Let's go. Let's go to page ten. Let's see what. Mind you, this is actually just active work. I'm meant to be on the uh, nutrition. Hey, maybe maybe they've removed some of that shit. Maybe they've maybe they've got rid of some of it. Um, but let me see, let me see what, what what else we've got. So we've got now like advanced weight gainer. What does advanced weight gainer mean? I would imagine that let's crank the price up a little bit, throw some extra calories in there, and that's pretty much what you've got. Um, so, God, this is actually doing this is kind of doing me uh, a little bit of a minter here because I'm actually like protein crisps just eat fucking normal crisps please protein granola again nah just leave it alone apple cider vinegar gummies all right here we go now apple cider vinegar gummies will it do you any harm no is it worth spending 13.99 on a 30 pack of apple cider vinegar gummies if you're gonna do anything just down it um what else have we got in here malodextrin i know some people use that so that's like a basically a carbohydrate powder i can be helpful and um, what else have we got on here like there's literally a, a tablet for everything there are you know settle. i'm actually not gonna lie fringe enough, i don't know what that is diet aid pathogenic acid to support normal energy yielding metabolism waste of money and um, yeah, I'm actually like, I must be get going behind with this stuff here because this is arginine alpha, ketoglutarate. Again, I'm not entirely sure what that is. never actually seen that before. Beta alanine, some stuff coming out about that. Um, brown rice protein, um, pump enhancer, testafen, yeah, lipid binder, NAC, cocoa powder, um, tribalis. Yeah, there's there's some there's some magic on carb metabolizer. Now that's got to be one of the worst ones. We know that that's a load of bollocks. Um, taurine, literally what you get in your Red Bull, a taurine powder, um, slow release casein. Um, again, we we're pretty convinced nowadays that like casein. So you might know that casein is like this slow digesting protein um they found that like when you compare casein and normal protein like the difference between muscle growth is is exactly the same like there's no difference like yeah okay it's released slower within your diet but that's yeah it's, it doesn't make a difference um really yeah so basically the the gra- in the grand scheme of things like when we look at this stuff there is a whole load of shit on here and I'm, the point i was trying to make is like my protein sells a lot of like random stuff and what you'll do is you'll go on tiktok TikTok's obviously even worse for it now, and it's only going to get worse, like with the kind of evolution of AI and things like that, this is only going to get worse. So you, you're going to need to keep your wits about you. There's going to be, you're, you're going to have a problem. You're going to have something that you're talking to your friends about. You're going to have something that you're scrolling and searching on Google. How do I get rid of blah, 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 belly fat? How do I get rid of blah, 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 blah? How do I get bigger delts? Blah, 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 blah. And it's going to push you more and more of these supplements. And it's going to be something like I just, Describe their Trestibesta, Lestolos, or whatever. It's going to be this new supplement that you've never heard of. And it's going to push to you. And it's going to say, right, okay, this is what it does. And there's going to be some guy on TikTok, might even be a fucking robot, who knows, might even be just an AI-generated guy. And he's going to be like, I tried this for six weeks, and it fucking, I got absolutely shredded, man um he's always american or whatever that accent was and uh you're gonna buy it and it's gonna be expensive and you're gonna run out of it in 30 days and you're gonna go i'm mm, not sure if it works maybe i need to buy more and again it's just this it's just the way of supplement companies making more and more and more money and um, so we need to be really careful like we do we need to be really careful with supplements so the point of this is like is do you need supplements or not you you don't need supplements that's the thing like in the grand scheme of things there. are isn't really a supplement that you need to live our ancestors lived long times before us without any like like uh, what am I trying to say like factory made supplements there's obviously like herbal remedies and things like that and has been for years like we've always kind of supplemented certain things into our diet like that's something that's been going on for as long as as long as time um plant-based things so what i would do if i was actually wanting to like buy a supplement I would make sure that I went on type in PubMed online, and then type in creatine or whatever it is that you want to search. Type in that, or there's another one. Um, what's the name again? Find out. I can't remember the name of this website. That's terrible. Yeah. Supplements are good. I think good's the word. Uh, web web I think I'm pretty sure I went on WebMD last time. Yeah, it is WebMD. So what you can do is you can go on WebMD and you can type in your supplement. um, And then basically what it does is it, it tells you if it believes, it shows you the evidence, it shows you what they currently know about it, and it shows the current limitations, the current side effects of that supplement. Then that's where you should make your decision on the supplement. Look, I'm not here to tell you to not have things, to not try things. I've tried loads of wacky shit along the years. I can tell you what's a waste of money. Um, or you can just ask me and I'll do the research for you. Like I know about most supplements, but quite clearly I don't know about all of them because I was scrolling through my protein there and I was like, what the fuck is that? Like I really didn't have a clue. But a client asked me something this morning about, um, oh, what was it again? I'm just going to go and grab my phone. Um, it was Tonka Alley and this combination of Tonka Alley and I can never pronounce the name of this thing. Um, God, where's he sent? it? that's the word i'm trying to say so i said i'm going to research it a little bit more i'm going to find out a bit more about it and i actually just ordered some today just i'm going to sample it myself i'm going to do some blood work on it and then i'm going to see how that actually comes about i'm going to test my blood before it. i'm going to test my bloods after it i'm going to see how i felt i'm going to do a bit more research about it and then i'm going to tell him okay that was maybe worth it or it wasn't worth it. So that's my kind of take on supplements. You don't really need them, but there are certain ones out there that are helpful and are absolutely harmless and maybe you should be taken, Um, but do your research first. Okay. Injury prevention training, sports specific training. How many times do you hear these phrases? Um, Is this a controversial kind of topic? I really think it's massively controversial, but um, there's a lot of people selling injury prevention out there a lot of people selling sports specific stuff out there do my sports specific training program do my injury prevention training program I've used this term before many a time and um, I have stopped but it's I don't know that it's like the people that are using it tend to be doing it in a harmless sort of way now like is there necessarily like a training method that you go into and it's like I mean these are kind of two separate things in a way but like oh we're going to be doing some injury prevention training and just call it strength training like what helps you prevent injuries is like being mobile being strong um and actually just like training like actually training like that's what prevents injuries there's obviously the a method of training that you would be like a like a rehab program you may be coming back and there may be small little steps that you're going through to to actually rehab an injury but um if someone's like selling injury prevention programs I always just i'm always just kind of curious as to what that actually means like what does an injury prevention program do like i I always think it's quite a pessimistic way to go into a training program like let's go into a program to like actually it it preys on people's injuries as well like I, i do think that i think it kind of opens up this thing where it's like have you been injured before let me prevent your injuries you can never actually say to anyone i'm going to prevent injuries for you like You can't guarantee anyone that you can't guarantee anyone that you're going to prevent injuries because like things, fuck shit happens. You get fucking cleaned out knee high, try to prevent that injury with a gym program. And what you can do is you can get stronger. You can work out in the gym. You can stay mobile. You can stay fit. You can stay healthy. You can sleep well. That's going to be one of the best things you can do to prevent injuries. I just, I'm just always curious that people kind of say that word a little bit too much. And again, I said, I probably did it in the past. The one that's probably slightly more annoying is like, not annoying. I don't get annoyed by it by any means, but like when people say like sports specific, like we're going to do some sports specific training. um, Yeah, you can train like an athlete. Yeah, you can train, you can do a training program that's going to be beneficial to you as a footballer. But like when people say sports specific, I think they get a little bit confused and they start thinking like, right, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to, you're going to throw a medicine ball at me. I'm a goalkeeper. You're going to throw a medicine ball at me and I'm going to do some weighted medicine ball catches. Or they think, right, I'm going to do weighted kicks of the cables. Like people have this vision of like jumping about like a fucking, I don't know, like a basketball. I don't know. It's it's hard to, there. there is a point to it. Like sports specific training is just a term that doesn't really make sense because usually when it comes to athletes, like they actually need to train unspecific to their sport. Like the qualities that are letting them down tend to be quite unspecific to the movement patterns of their sport. So like for footballers, like they use their hamstrings and, and their and their glutes to sprint about the football park a lot of the time. Um, but it tends to be those that need the work. Like they tend to end up being really strong quads. Uh, they tend to be like really strong, like they tend to be quad dominant. But what they need to work on is their glutes and hamstrings. Is that like specific to football? I don't know. Like it's it's hard to say. Um and there tends to be just other things that they need to work on rather than sport specific stuff like while you're doing your sport you're very much like carrying out a lot of the patterns that are needed to get strong in that sport so it's a case of like understanding what the weakness is um, and incorporating that into an effective strength program like an effective kind of resistance training program and um, not just resistance training but there's going to be like a there's going to be a degree of plyometrics there's going to be um, maybe some mobility work. Um, yeah, different, varying things like some sprint work in that. And um, but sports specific training, just be aware if you see that term. Like I do think it's it's used a little bit too much, and it's like, do my amazing program specific to footballers. Like a lot of the time, there's so much crossover. Like a footballer's program could look very similar to a basketballer's program. Could look very similar to a rugby player's program. Could look very like very similar to any sort of field athlete um if anyone tells you you, they've got like a fucking lacrosse specific strength conditioning program just i'd be aware like it's it's probably just a program um not really controversial that one here's a controversial one ultra healthy clean eating versus flexible dieting now my favorite guy to mention on this podcast um Again, let's tr- let's try and let's use nuance here, and let's say that we kind of agree with some of this guy's stuff. Uh, we don't just fucking call him a dickhead, um. Although he might be, is Eddie Abu three mentions for you this week, mate? Um, well, over the last three weeks, I, he actually, he, I think he's winning. I think he's beating me right now because I keep thinking about him, and I've unfold, I've blocked him, and then unfollowed him because I was just like, I kept getting things sent to me from him, um. And look, as I said, like he makes some. Some good points about, but well, basically, what his point is. Let me explain his point and why I think it's controversial and what the argument is against it. So, he argues that within the world, there are too many people eating processed shit, eating fucking shit off the supermarket shelves, cereal, cakes, just like generally diets are like just full of bread, full of like processed carbohydrates, and we're not eating enough like i mean he kind of he's on the side of like the carnivores and stuff. So he's like just he, he's completely the other end of the scale but the argument is obviously like he's not people are not eating well enough they're not eating healthy enough they're just eating absolute like processed shit and does he have a point yeah absolutely he has a point like a lot of people you just need to go like down to i don't know uh, a building site at peacetime and just look at like what is getting eaten there it's like very rarely anything healthy and I think the way that you've got to view this is like, if you are at one end of the scale or the other, it can be damaging. So if you're in the ultra healthy, clean eating end of the scale, there's plenty of evidence out there to say that that's not, that's not good for you. Like that, like being ultra healthy, super duper clean all the time, never eating a carbohydrate, never eating any bit of sugar. There can be some negative health benefits to that and some mental kind of negative effects of that as well. But as I said, on the other end, if all you're eating is absolute shit, processed stuff and frozen stuff constantly constantly i can almost guarantee you that you're sitting at about 20 percent of your possible human function and you're probably knackered all the time you probably feel shy Um, and it's not a really good way to live so the argument from him is that like you should not be eating any processed stuff no cakes no cereal no brownies no chocolate no eating any of that sort of shit like it has to all be like has to be pasteurized all has to be organic it all has to be like perfect has to be from the butchers has to be the best of stuff not taken through a supermarket shelf and i also think that's bollocks as well like there's somewhere there's somewhere in the middle there that's going to be the best place for you to be like you don't need to be ultra super duper healthy all the time like you just don't but people on tiktok have these extreme views that How dare you eat any ice cream? I've had a guy, this is the guy that commented on my post. He said, Who would, what was it? What did he say again? He was like, Who would listen to a PT that eats ice cream? I'm like, What planet do you fucking live on? Like, plenty of people really don't mind that I eat ice cream. I promise you, like, I'm sure nobody has turned on their... I mean, to be fair, if anyone like has seen the way that I eat and they see the things that I share and they see that I eat out a lot, they see that I have a bevy and they see that I eat ice cream and they're put off by that, perfect, thank you. You're not really someone I want to work with if you're put off by the fact that I eat ice cream because if you're on the other end of the scale where you need to be ultra healthy, clean eating all the time, never a bad thing touches your lip and if, if it does, then it's cheat day and it's fucking bad and it's terrible if that is you, then you're probably not for me. And you're I'm probably not for you. Um, and that's fine. Like that's okay. Um, cause I'm not into that lifestyle because it was damaging for me. Like it was damaging mentally, damaging physically, um, in so many mo- more ways than one. Like I am only right now, like within the past year, really got a hold of that bad relationship I used to have with food because I used to think clean eating all the time, Ryan is the way forward. Um, did I maybe go to the other end of the scale for a little bit? There have been periods in my life where I've just been like, I can be flexible with this, flexible with that, if it fits my macros, I can eat anything. And I've found myself feeling absolutely buggered like afternoons because I've not been eating well. I've been like, I've been hitting my protein, but I've been eating prote- processed shit. Like I've been eating too much like whey protein, protein bars, chicken bagels, and there's not really been enough quality in terms of like the fruit and the veg and things like that. Um, so that's when I needed to pull myself back the other way. And um, I would say, like, if there was a sliding scale and ultra health is on one side, and then flexible, kind of, if it fits your macros, dieting is all the way on the other side. I would probably say I sit somewhere, somewhere in the middle. Somewhere in the middle is just about perfect. Now, neither side of these things is actually like necessarily terrible, like, but I just think we can't be too, like, obsessed with like being ultra healthy all the time and we can't be too obsessed with just thinking we could eat fucking anything because either way you get punished um we have to try and measure ourselves somewhere in the middle or if you are at one end of the scale it's just about taking yourself a little bit further towards the other one um and just understanding that there's like not ultimatums here it's not like you must do this or you must do that i don't know if everyone agrees with that but this is kind of what this podcast is about like you don't have to agree um yeah okay so this is probably like a rather controversial one that I've spoken about before and it is bodybuilding um so yeah being through been through a phase where my only focus was bodybuilding um a lot of my training still is there's a massive component of it is bodybuilding like a lot of the reason I train is for a a, a static aesthetic purposes like I want to look good I want to feel good I want to look in the mirror and I want to go yep decent um as a (laughs) decent as a PT like as a coach like I need to set the standard like if I'm fucking five stone overweight then I think I'd have less than half the clients I've got right now like who would want to again there's another controversial subject if I was overweight and not in shape would anyone really want to come to me as a personal trainer I like to think that personal trainers must uh, by the way that's the next topic actually so I'll stop there but yeah anyway bodybuilding I think it's fucking valuable I've loved training bodybuilding. Um, I think it's a pretty impressive sport. I've got respect for a lot of people in the game. Um, I know that I've been coached by a couple of people that have been like, like champion bodybuilders and what they do is like their dedication. Like that's where I learned my dedication to my diet and my training was through bodybuilding Um, and through changing my body. That's where I really got the fire in my belly to start off with. So I'll always be thankful for it. But, there are so many dangers, um, when it comes to only focusing on aesthetics and I've seen these dangers firsthand. Um, I have heard stories. I have heard of people thinking that this is their God's given fucking goal. It's the the only thing that they need to do is get in shape. And I've seen them become very underwhelmed. I've seen them just feel flat and empty at the end of it. And I've seen people go as far as doing bodybuilding shows and it's just damaged their relationship with food and ended them up in a never just this cycle of kind of I'm never happy with my body. Um again, there are outliers, there are people that have a perfectly good relationship with bodybuilding, and there's absolutely no problem with it, and respect for them. Like I'm I'm not bashing bodybuilding just because I could have trained in a slightly more kind of like mixed like in a varied way. Like I'm not just bodybuilding, I'm very much a mixture of bodybuilding and aesthetics. Like my uh, bodybuilding and um, aesthetics is the same thing mixed with kind of like a, a strength athletic focus that's kind of the way that I train that's the way that it works for me and um, and I like that because because I'm an athlete because I play football and um, I know some people aren't athletes and only thing they really care about is actually like bodybuilding that's fine um, it's better than I, I believe that people that are looking after their bodies is, is great like they're looking after their health the problem lies when people go too far and they put all of their eggs in the basket of I need to look this shape. And if that's your only goal, I genuinely think it's it can, be, it can be worrying. It can be damaging, especially as a young guy or young girl who your only focus is getting in shape. Your only focus is changing the way that you look because you put a lot of your self-worth into the way that you look. So if you have a day where you feel off, you have a day where you feel bloated, you have a day where you've eaten a pizza and you feel a little bit shit, your fucking self-worth goes out the window because you've based so much of it on bodybuilding on the way that you look and the way that I think we can really kind of begin to fix that is focus on other goals alongside your bodybuilding so is there a cardiovascular goal is there a strength goal is there a number that you want to hit in the gym because if we base all of it around our scale weight our six pack the way that we look and um, the photos that we take our before and afters and um, how I look on stage I honestly have seen very little people come out the back of that, come out the end of that without some sort of psychological kind of, not problem, that's too far, like a, a, a little bit of psychological damage. Um, and I don't mean that in the clinical term. I mean that in the term of like, they have something that they struggle with off the back of that. If it's like a bad relationship with food. It's a bad relationship with their body. It's a bad relationship with training. Like almost everyone I have ever worked with, um, like, before they've come to me and they've been through like some sort of bodybuilding program there has been a bad experience that's either been with the person that they've worked with or that's been like generally with themselves the way that they kind of took on the challenge and so bodybuilding is not bad but you just need to be really careful when you when you dive into that and that is all your goal is bodybuilding i need to change my body because i think it's hard i think it's difficult anyone that comes with comes to me with a bodybuilding goal we try to focus on other things as well because I know for a fact through experience and through working with fucking 150 people is that if that's the only thing you care about, it's, it's hard to ever really be happy. Um, and that's just the truth. And you would speak to a hundred other people and they would say the exact same thing. Um, you've got a lot of work to do. If it is something that you want to go with long-term, a lot of mindset work to do a lot of kind of self-discovery you could say. Okay. Next one, number seven, or number eight, I think, um, is the body positivity movement. Um, now, yeah, just, this is a thing that's as old as time, um, maybe more so kind of like prominent in the past couple of years, maybe even past five years, you could say, but probably even longer than that, when there's like this celebration of obesity. Um, again, I tread lightly with this one as well, because I understand it is, it is a controversial reversal subject. Um, and I know there are a lot of people that, work, that will argue it and I'm all for like body positivity as long as it's partnered up with health. That's, that's, that's my main point. Body positivity is fine and it's cool. As long as we're not celebrating ill health and um, we're not celebrating like bad, like unhealthy habits. We're not celebrating like obesity. Obesity is not to be celebrated. Like we shouldn't celebrate the fact that we have, grown up with a or we're kind of living a life where we've got no control with food, no control of our health, and we're putting our health at risk or our family's health at risk. If you're celebrating the fact that like you're obese, you're fucking 10 stone overweight and you are at 50% your chances of a coronary heart disease or heart attack are raised by 35%. Again, that's a throwaway term, don't don't quote that. Um, What's the what's there to be celebrated about there? Now, I don't just say this as someone that's healthy and in shape and blah, 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 blah. I say this as someone that, like, I just don't think we should be celebrating that because it makes it okay for young kids to grow up. And, again, I like to be fair, this is, this is just my opinion. So what's the point in actually trying to, like, paper over the cracks with it? Why should we celebrate like obesity um why should we say again this can be in different terms as well not just obesity why should we celebrate an unhealthy lifestyle because our kids and people that look up to us will go oh it's fine to be that fat let's just go and scram 20 donuts every day um look i know there's there's understandably many challenges around this like people that get into this position where they're obese probably haven't done it by choice. They probably haven't done it by I'm going out my way to get obese. They were probably brought up a certain way. There were certain conditions within their life that brought them to that point. And the fact that they are now celebrating this positivity, this body positivity movement with obesity and an unhealthy lifestyle. And like, again, it's not just like I'm a little bit overweight. I mean, I'm talking about celebrating like obesity. That's what I'm talking about. Like, um, oh i went off on a tangent there a little bit and so basically what i'm saying is like i know i know these people don't go there by choice and when they do get there it's almost like trying to find a rationale as to like okay this trying to find a rationale with body positivity as to why they got there it's like i'm here i don't know how to get out of it so let's celebrate like that's the kind of that's the way that i kind of view it um again like if you have any view on this as well please give me a message like i'd be interested to hear what your take out is on it i'm always interested to hear what people's takes are on the podcast i've been getting a little, a little bit more feedback off people and um, not so much an argument yet but like i've had a few people say i don't agree with this or like i do agree with this that was a good point blah 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 so like i think people that get to that point they're there because they they don't really know how they got there and they're just not really sure how to get back from it um so, yeah, I just I don't think these people need to be told, no, you shouldn't be celebrated because it's not going to make them feel any better. Like they're not. If you tell them, no, body, your body positivity movements, fucking shit, stop celebrating yourself being fat. It's not going to help them. It's not going to make them feel any better. It's a case of offering solutions for these people, like working with these people and helping them go. Do you, you do understand like the negative health effects that come with this? Um, and should it really be celebrated? No, but I want to help you. Like I want to help you get out of this. I want to help you become more healthy because inevitably, if these people lost five, ten stone, depending on how how heavy they are, their quality of life would improve. Their self esteem would improve. They would they would they would feel better in themselves. They're just uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, it's a hard one, and I'm sure that most people will agree with that. Um, I think I think most people will agree with that. And um, I, I think I've come away with a quite a balanced view there um and i am always weedy that like with this subject like this as a personal trainer as someone that works with people to try and lose weight that can almost seem like a little bit like um what's the word like contradictory like but Ryan, like you're a personal trainer you're trying to you're trying to lift people up you're trying to help people feel confident in their body you're trying to help people lose weight i'm not yeah that's it that's exactly the point like i'm not trying to I don't want people to sit where they are, like people, when they make progression with my program, like, there's a certain amount of like, mindset work, there's a certain amount of like, helping them work on their self esteem and helping them actually understand like, yeah, you know what, see if you're working on your body, and you're actually training, and you're making a difference here, be fucking proud of your body, because it is a fucking it's, it's an instrument, like it's an instrument, not just an ornament. Like you should be proud of what you're doing, regardless of what weight you're currently at. If you're putting in the fucking work, then great, amazing. I'm not here to put you down for fucking being obese. Like fuck, I was, I would have been classed as obese when I was fucking seventeen. There's no doubt about that. I was like seventeen stone. Um, I was obese as a child. Like so, like I say this, <laughs> I don't know if it makes it any better to say it as a person that has went from there to there. Um, but I want to work, like I want to work with these people. I want to help these people, and I also want them to celebrate. The fact that they're progressing down the way i don't want them to celebrate that the fact that they're doing nothing about it and making themselves more unhealthy and more a chance of certain cardiovascular diseases they're not celebrating that they're celebrating the fact that they're working towards improving their health that one took longer than i thought it was going to and um, here's another one that i've seen on um i've seen on tiktok and it was in relation to personal trainers not training now yeah this is Maybe a slightly touchy subject. and I'm not bashing personal trainers or anything like that, but and I actually made an email about this this morning, not about this particular subject, but it was about cognitive dissonance and just like when you when you say one thing but do but believe another, um, and it's a case of like, all right, I believe as a person, this is cognitive dissonance in a nutshell. To be fair, as a personal trainer, and again, I was I've got an example for myself with this one. So if your personal trainer is telling you. Go to the gym four times a week. You need to be training. You need to be like focusing on your nutrition. You need to be staying in at the weekends more often. But is not doing that themselves and is not living that life. He's not preaching what they preach and actually isn't training at all. There's a bit of cognitive dissonance there. Like he's telling you one thing, say, saying he believes one thing, and as a personal trainer, you would expect him to believe that, that that was the right thing to do. But if he's not doing it himself, she's not doing it himself, then. I don't know. Like I've never been, I've always trained. Like I've never not trained. There's been, there's been times where I've been going out every single weekend, kicking out, kicking the arse out of it, going out till five in the morning. And I've been preaching shit about health and fitness so the next day on Instagram. And um, that's, there's a little bit of something missing there. And that's essentially the same thing. Like I wouldn't expect anyone to listen to me, give them advice on their health and their habits. If I was doing that myself. And, um, So yeah, there's an interesting one. Would you look, well, here's a question to you. Like you can, you can send me a message on Instagram. If you, if you've got a comment, would you work with a personal trainer that doesn't train themselves? Second question, would you work with a personal trainer who would be giving you advice on your health and your nutrition? If they were going out every single weekend, fucking out till five in the morning, sniffing their wage away, would you listen to either of those people? Um, interesting not going to say anything more on that um comington commenting, comington comment. Coming, co- fucking hell commenting you know when you like say a word and you forget what it actually like you say it out loud and it's like that doesn't even sound right really like comment in comment 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 ing, commenting oh that sounds weird on people's bodies so making statements based on oh you look like you put on some put on some weight Oh, you you're looking really skinny or you're looking a wee bit fat. Have you put on some weight? Have you been have you been, have you lost a bit of weight? Um, have you been training in the gym? So these kind of comments, some of them can be harmless, some of them can be pretty dangerous. Um, and the controversial opinion around this is I think it's quite an old fashioned thing to comment on people's weight. Um, I think in this day and age, people are becoming more kind of um sensitive to this. And look, don't get me wrong the like the comment around people being fat is, is almost like this one that's become more common over the years like you'll you know what like I remember like comments from like elderly people that like you're like maybe granddad or something like that or like a family friend who's a little bit older or you're looking a bit fucking fat and like as a child or even as anyone see when someone says that fucking hurts like it it used to hit me deep used to be my biggest insecurity when someone said oh you're looking a wee bit fat you're eating too much i would be i would actually think about that for like next week and i think that's where my initial kind of insecurities around my weight started and you could almost argue those first initial comments from like from older people actually were the thing that got me into this job because it, it first created the insecurity around my weight um which then in turn created my unhealthy habits with fitness and nutrition which then in turn found me up where I am today so thank you for those comments old people for calling me fat for having two burgers at the burger van you created this career and you didn't know it at the time um but anyway what I'm basically trying to say is that like commenting on people's bodies can have massive effect even if it's your fucking I don't know if it's your mum to your sister it's you to your brother it's you like sometimes these comments can be made with like such a harmless kind of tone to them oh you look like you put on a bit of weight oh you're looking a wee bit skinny but one thing I think everyone should do now this is a quite an awkward conversation to have but especially if it's with someone close to you um ask them for permission in a subtle way like oh because like could i ask you maybe could i ask you about like say it in a different way like say something like um how i don't know like it's, it's quite hard to say like you if you know the person well enough you could actually ask them can i comment can i make a just a little comment on something that i'm thinking about your your weight like if you could ask that and then they could straight up say no i mean it's just one of these things that you either kind of have that relationship with that person to ask or if it's just if it's audrey at work and you go audrey oh you look like you've lost a little bit of weight you just don't know where that's come from and people attach onto those things so like even if audrey has been going to weight watchers and she's lost two stone by you saying oh audrey look like you've lost a little bit of weight she puts a lot of her self worth into that comment and she looks for that comment again in other places and if she doesn't get it and say for example she goes back to weight watchers next week and she's put on two pounds everything just comes tumbling down and it's like, Oh fuck, nobody's going to comment on my weight. Nobody's going to think I look good. Nobody from the office has said, Oh my God, you look like you've lost any weight. Um, my weights went up at Weight Watchers. Oh fuck. I'm fucked. My weights went up or the other way around. It kind of works as with people who look like they've lost weight. Now This is something that frustrates me and people think there is no license to comment on people's weight when they've lost weight. I've heard it so many times before. Well, oh, you look like you've lost a little bit of weight. You do not understand like what could be going on in someone's head at that point. I could use an example. Um, I'll use an example. Exhibit A, let's just say it's a person. Person A has many concerns about their mental health, has many concerns about their physical health. For example, may be going through something where they've been in a hospital and one of the side effects of the medication is you may lose some weight um or they may have some worries about being ill and we know that with certain illnesses becomes weight loss one comment from a cousin that says oh my god you look like you've lost some weight or or the comment the other one is oh you need to put on some weight and typically this comes from someone who is maybe a little bit more overweight is maybe a little bit like, I wish I, you know, the old one, oh, I wish I was as skinny as you. Sometimes those people, that comment can trigger that person who you perceive to be skinny or perceived to have lost weight more than you can imagine. Like that comment in itself should not be made to anyone. um because you think it's a good thing most of the time. If you say it to someone, oh, you've been losing some weight, like, typically that's associated with positivity. But just be very careful with throwing those comments about because that comment can play on someone's mind for longer than you think um do not comment on people's weight unless you have permission um unless you have the the appropriate relationship to do so with that person um and actually understand is that person comfortable with you commenting on that um, because it is like it's something that can trigger the shit out of people um almost there this is probably the longest podcast i've done for a long time tracking calories slash intuitive eating so two very other ends of the scale there's a big massive argument as to why like calorie tracking is good and why calorie tracking is bad and so calorie tracking we know for example like calories in versus calories out you've heard that 10 million times before um is essentially one of the most easiest ways to predict weight loss like if you understand how many calories are going in and you begin to lose weight say for example you're on 2500 calories and you're tracking them for 10 days and you've lost three pounds and then you keep eating those calories and you stop losing weight. Your calorie, your body is then adjusted to 2,500 calories being your maintenance. What you then need to do is you need to go to 2,400 calories. You start losing more weight. You lose another three, four pounds and then it begins to plateau again and you drop down to 2,300 and then you keep losing weight and then it plateaus again. So this is kind of like a really good indication of how you lose weight. Obviously, there's the other end of the scale, which is energy out, So the other variable is like how much you move, how much you train. And those are the two variables that you can affect. And they're probably the simplest, easiest predictor of weight loss when it comes to nutrition. Now, that's the positive to it. You can gain control. My mouth is getting really dry. You can gain um, awareness of food. You can understand what's in foods that you eat. Can almost I just always use the example. It's almost like a, a nutrition apprenticeship. Like you begin to learn the tools and the and the tricks of what's in your food, what how many how much protein's in it, how much calories are in it, um, what makes you full, what makes you not full, what's got lots of sugar in it, what's not. And you just gain a bit of awareness from tracking calories and a bit of control. And it can be really helpful. But the other end of the scale is that we can become obsessed, we can become like a little bit of a control freak. Sorry, I thought I heard someone come to the door. You can become just a little bit too reliant on it and like you can use it in an obsessive way and that's where it can become bad. That's where tracking calories can become like, you can use this tool and you can abuse this tool. I used to abuse it. I was like, right, okay. As I spoke about before, I was like, I start on 2,500, then I go down to 2,300, then I go down to 2,000 and then I go down to 1,800 and I'm like, well, if I want to keep losing weight, then I just keep dropping them, don't I? I've seen me on fifteen hundred calories in a day. I go to bed absolutely starving, like my stomach feels like it's eating itself. And I was just like, "Well, that's how you track calories," and was abusing tracking calories like big time. And the thing is, like, do you want to be using this forever? Do you want to be tracking calories when you're seventy 70 years old? Your cup of tea, and you're like, Audrey, Audrey, fucking pass the digestive biscuit, and she goes, "No, you can't fucking have the digestive biscuit. You went over your calories, mate." And he's like, oh, oh, well, that's just calorie tracking for you. There will be a time in your life where you'll you'll see the back of tracking calories and you'll never really want to use it again. But is it a good tool to use every now and again? Like if you're wanting to lose, right, if you've maybe kind of been using your own intuition lately and you've, you've kind of put on a few pounds and you're like, right, okay, I kind of want to lose a little bit of body fat. I want to just tidy things up. Then you can jump back into tracking calories. And the way that I like to use it is this. Initially, with majority of my clients, not everyone, but with the majority of them, I will have them track calories to start off with. I will have them gain an understanding, do the apprenticeship, know what's in foods, understand that by using this, give them some evidence that by using this, you can alter the shape of your body. By altering your nutrition and training, you can change the shape of your body to lower fat, to build muscle, whatever it is, um, and give them that evidence that that works. They then gain awareness. They then understand what's in the foods that they typically eat. And then they can make adjustments and they can improve their diet. And after a period of time, based on how well they understand that and how well they use that, we can pull it away gradually. We can take it away. We can pull back calorie tracking. And then eventually they could begin to use their own intuition. Um, and if their intuition fails them, they can go back. Um, so it's a tool to be used. Very last one is filming in the gym. So, Filming on your phone in the gym now. There's a lot of stuff on TikTok just now, like about people being creeps and about people kind of like use like filming people and like people feeling uncomfortable and and things like that. Now, I genuinely think filming. No, I mean, I have to think filming in the gym is normal because I do it like every day. Like I film myself in the gym, and it's becoming more and more normal. People could be sending like there's a massive world of online coaching nowadays. People send videos to their coaches of their form all the time. It's very much, an, there's an online business. There are online businesses all over the world that require this. Um, there are people just filming their form. There are people that have made little Instagram pages to keep them going. There are people that genuinely like to just watch their lifts back. to just check their technique. There are people that just, they're just like a content creator. They just like watching content in the gym. They like filming themselves. They like tracking their their movements what is wrong with that like honestly what's wrong with that i don't think there's anything wrong with that i don't really think it's even a controversial opinion i think if someone wants to film themselves in the gym the only thing that you then maybe need to do is if there's someone in the background go and ask them You're yeah, by the way you might be in this video is that okay if they say no change the angle or literally just wait until they're finished um, and that's the main thing for me and that's i just want to finish pretty pretty promptly on that one um, so if you've got any opinions on any of the 10 controversial fitness opinions that I just spoke about, please drop me a message. If you've listened to this right to the end, fair play. Well done. Um, and please give it a share on your story. If you do not mind on Instagram or on Facebook, it would be massively appreciated. I hope everyone has a great week and I will see them again next week. Bosh.